Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 339. You know my quote, everything happens for a reason? This happened for a reason, so. Attention, gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy you've chosen to spend time with me today. We're covering a topic that I know causes you a lot of stress. It's the single most frequently asked question I get, and something you'll always work to increase no matter how many years you're in business or how many zeros make up your annual revenue number. Before we get into this, I'd like to ask you a favor. Think of this as an exchange for all the free content you have at your fingertips here twice a week with the podcast. If you haven't done so already, in whatever app you use to listen to the show, will you please leave a comment in the form of a review? Just tell me what you've learned from one of these past episodes. Short and sweet. Doing this helps spread the word about this podcast, and I would be ever so grateful. Okay, let's get back to the topic at hand. What I was referencing that stresses you out is the constant pursuit for more eyeballs and more prospects, which of course lead to more sales. Am I right? I think we put so much weight on this activity that we've blown it into this massive, mysterious mountain that takes tons of effort to climb. While bringing in new business does take energy and determination, what if I told you that it doesn't need to come with anxiety, and it doesn't need to be a strenuous battle to achieve either? That's why I've titled this episode, Five Fun Ways to Attract New Customers. How's that for a mindset switch? You're going to hear from one of my coaching clients and the fun opportunities she's grabbed hold of this year to gain new customers. Some she directly went after, and others came her way without any effort, just by her working her business. Let's have Sophie tell you all about them. Today is a great day because we're going to be talking once again to Sophie Lakshmanan. Sophie is the face behind Miss Papercraft a paper quilling store making intricate jewelry, ornaments, and keepsake dolls. She paper quilled as a hobby when she lived in India, making gifts for family and friends. And then after moving to the U.S., she noticed that paper quilling wasn't widely known here, and she saw this as an opportunity. She now shares the paper quilling experience through her jewelry, DIY craft kits, and online classes. Now, those of you who are regular listeners will remember Sophie from episode number 313, which aired last April. But a lot of opportunities have come her way in a really short time. So I wanted to have her back on to share her newest exciting experiences. Hi, Sophie. Welcome back. Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for having me again. Yay! I think in that other episode, we already were referencing that I wanted to have you back because some things were developing, so I thought they'd be good for you to get some experience and then come back and share with us. 
But even more, Sophie, you are like an opportunity magnet. (laughs) That's my new name for you. An opportunity magnet. (laughs) I like that. We get new listeners over the course of time. There may be people listening, in fact, I'm pretty sure there are, who don't know you yet. So share just a little bit about how you started your business. And for a full, more detailed review, as I said before, you can go back and reference episode 313. But Sophie, tell us a little bit. Absolutely. So I am paper quilling artist, and I learned paper quilling off YouTube when I was looking for something to do for friends and family when I was back in India like seven, eight years ago. And it was my hobby. And when I moved to the US, I noticed that not many people were aware of paper quilling and I took that opportunity to turn it into a small business. And that's what I do now. That is my small business. Beautiful. So how long has your business been around? It's been a little over two years now. That's crazy, Sophie. Seriously, where you have come from in such a short time, and our paths crossed, I'm going to say about six months in maybe or so? Maybe a year. A year? Okay, because you joined Makers MBA for last year, the 2020 program. But I bring it up only because when you start listening to Sophie talking about what is possible, this happened in a really short time. So opportunity awaits. And you heard it's just from her looking and learning a craft on YouTube and then seeing an opportunity in the market here in the U.S. So absolutely love that, Sophie. So share a little bit with us today what you're currently doing in terms of how you're selling. And then we have three specific places where we want to talk about. We talked about that already in the pre-chat. But share with everybody a little bit of how you're getting the word out about your products. So the first thing which I do is I do local craft pop-ups. And when I started my business two years ago, I started with that idea. But then for a year, we were all closed down. So I had to move and find alternate routes like online. But I wanted to do pop-ups because I want people to feel the product before they buy because not everybody's heard of paper products or paper jewelry because I do mostly earrings. So not everybody's heard of it, and they can easily think of it as wooden earrings or clay earrings. So I want people to feel it and then buy it. That has more value. So that was the reason I wanted to do pop-ups. Now that everything is opening up, I am back in that space doing a lot of local pop-ups, about two or three a month. And I get to talk to a lot of people, and I love those conversations. And the other thing I do is I connect with the other fellow vendors who are there in those pop-ups. And they've been like really good friends to me now. And we chat and we get to know what's happening around in the town and other opportunities. Like I actually got to be on a TV segment. It was two minutes, but it was great. I felt amazing after it. And I got to be like featured in a magazine. So through all these connections, like more of networking, I would say, which I'm doing to get the word out. So that's how I've been going about right now. Okay. Well, and a really good point, starting small, you know, not trying to attract everybody right away, but you like the live events. So starting with the live events, and the reason I say it's smaller is it's your local community, right? And the value for you and your product obviously is feeling it and touching it. And you're so right. Because when I first purchased my earrings from you, I didn't realize they were going to be so light and solid out of paper. And you're just the way you make them. 
Like I thought they would be really delicate and easily fall apart at some point over the course of wearing them. But that none of that is true. And you see that the best in person. Yes. Anybody who is looking at doing in-person shows, you absolutely have to go over to Sophie's Instagram account. It's Miss underscore paper underscore craft, right, Sophie? Yes. And I want you to look at two things there. Number one, her booth setup is one of the best I've ever seen. And Sophie, you have little products, you know, so getting a bold statement when people come to your booth out of products that are really tiny, you've done that in your packaging and your signage and the way you lay things out. So that's what I want you guys to look at with her. And then also follow her because Sophie, when you're at the booth interacting with people and you put it on your stories, it's amazing. Like, so people who can't even go to the show are also getting the same experience. Yes, and I do ask them before putting that up, but it's really nice to see that happy face and capture that moment when they have that product, like when they bought it and they're like so happy with it. So I like to capture that. So I do that and then I share it with the others to show that what's happening. Like it shouldn't always be like me telling bye, 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 bye. I want to show like my customers, they're happy that they bought it. And I've had people who just wore the earrings immediately and then they're like, oh, let me wear it and then you can take a picture. Oh, I love that. And that's also social proof too, right? That people are buying and then that motivates people to buy and potentially people who are even at the craft show will see it and then come search out your booth even potentially. But all told, so everybody who's listening, go look at Sophie's Instagram account. Scroll down to see the pictures of the booths, and you won't have to scroll too far because she's been doing lots of events, and then follow her stories and your videos, all of it. Social media, your Instagram account is beautiful. So we're starting with that. That's a very special treat for everybody who hasn't seen it yet. But now I want to dive into these three aspects of experiences that you've had with your business lately that I think will be really valuable to people who are listening because they're new and somewhat unique opportunities for you to get visibility. I'm not sure which is my favorite, but let's start with the co-op spaces, okay? So share with us a little bit about your thinking about potentially doing this, and then what your first steps were and the evolution from there. So earlier this year, I knew I was going to take a two-month break, and I traveled to India, so I wasn't physically going to be here. But I didn't want that to affect my sales for the two months. I wanted a space where my products are still showcased and people can still go by, even though I'm not literally here. Because until then, I was just shipping everything out of my space at home. And I didn't have any retail space. So people couldn't go somewhere to buy it if I wasn't there. And it's all just me in the business, so I don't have anybody else filling in for me. So I was looking at retail spaces and that's the time I came upon a consignment store in my local area. And what they did was really different because they had like 30, 40 makers come together. One person took a responsibility and she got 30, 40 people together and she showcased all their products in a retail store. So there was a space where you could go and see all these small businesses and it doesn't have to be only on the weekends like in a pop-up between 11 to 3, it was there always. So I was looking for such a space and I exactly came upon that space as I was looking for it. And that's the reason why I went with the consignment space. 
because you were looking for some retail outlet. If I'm right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were kind of on a search. So you were looking to see what was available in your community because it might have been a wholesale situation, might have been consignment, and you found the co-op. And that really felt right for you in terms of your selection. Yes, true, because I was looking for a place to have my products somewhere, even though I am not there to sell it. So whatever form that would take. Yes, and the easiest option which would come up is a retail space, and that's what I ended up doing. So the space that you are in, is it consignment, or do they buy it wholesale and then they're displaying it for you, or how is your current setup? So my current setup is a consignment basis. So I go uh, give them my stock and they update it. And once in a while, I go restock them as the products sell out. So I go restock them probably once a month. And that's how it works. That's basically how consignment works. And the co-op, I'm just going to call it an artist co-op. I'm not sure if that's what you call it or not. But with all the different artisans, you have your own specific space within the retail shop, right? So every artisan has their own space. Actually, I don't have a set space. How it works is she changes up the display every season or every month because she doesn't want it to be monotonous, like always the same thing, same place. So she switches things up. Say now that fall is coming up, if I have more fall-related products, like I go restock them, She's going to have a separate fall space, like in the center of the store to attract because that's what people are looking for. So she would switch my things up there. So she would do that. She mixes things around to make it more interesting, like it shouldn't be always the same, right? No, for sure. Because you know how it is. You can go into a store and if the layout's the same, you might miss things, you know, in different areas. So switching up, that's just good retail practice overall. That gives opportunity because there are 30, 40 people. Some of them might be in the back. Some of them might be in the front. It gives opportunity to switch things up. Absolutely. Makes total sense. Okay. And so then how does it work? Does she inventory in the product that you're giving her? Is that how that works? Uh, We actually do it through Google Sheets right now. I update the inventory on the Google Sheets at my end, and I take like a printout of it, and I give her when I go, and she manually checks it that it's the same. So we are on the same page of what I give her and what she receives. And then every week, she does a weekly update on the spreadsheet of what's sold. And in the end of the month, she gives us a payment. And at that time, she gives us a monthly summary too, like what all sold during the month and how much. So all of that. Okay. And that's one of the things that's nice about these co-ops too, because of course, if a customer's coming in, they might buy something from you and then something from a couple of other artisans, and those are all cumed together, obviously, at checkout. And then they do the divvying out to the different artists and then reporting back and then reimbursing you for that product that's sold, minus their cut or however that works. Yes. So what would you advise to somebody who's looking at doing something like this in terms of the agreements that are made? things that you found that work really well or things that you want to make sure that people look at if they're considering doing some type of an artisan co-op? I would say first, make sure there's a contract and you have your terms sorted out like you both are on the same page and you have it written down in the contract and you sign on behalf of your business, not on behalf of yourself. That is one. And then always be in contact with the person who runs the space to get a feel of what's moving, what's not, and what are the customer's thoughts. Like, 
they interact more with the customers than you do because they are there in person. So I would say always keep in touch with them and interact with them to see what's happening because I interacted with her and I got some feedback and we switched things up and it helped me. So that is a really good conversation to keep up. It shouldn't just be like you go put your product there and you forget about it. Right. And you just kind of expect them to do the job of selling. It's really a partnership. You also have to tell people that your product is there so they know it's there. It shouldn't just be her advertising like we have all these products because she's going to do it for 30, 40 people together. But when you tell your product is there, you are promoting your product. So say that out that it's available in a local store. In that way, you are also promoting the store and other local businesses. So that's also a good point there. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, because that's the value of the co-op. If every single artisan promotes out to their individual communities to come in and see my products here, then everyone else's products are going to be shown as well. So it just compounds on top of itself, which is beautiful. Was there any requirement for you to come in and work at the store? There is. And I was waiting till I got vaccinated because it was an indoor space. But then, yes, I'm going to get... By the time the podcast interview airs, I would be back. I would be doing once a month. But yes, there is a shift once a month. And I remember that because you weren't able to do it because you were traveling anyway, and then you came back and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I see that so valuable. I was in one of the co-ops when I did my book. I was doing a book signing in one of the co-ops. And it was really fun to see the artisans there because some of them were doing demos And, you know, you got to talk with the maker behind the product, just like you do at craft shows. So I really enjoyed the environment. It feels like, well, why do I have to work the store? Because I'm paying for the spot or whatever the agreement is, you know, but it does help you sell product. Would you agree, Sophie? It does. And when I am actually going to work the store, I actually want to put out a note saying that, hey, I'm going to be working the store. So if you want to come meet me, meet the maker, you can come. I'm going to be there because it's usually like in pop-ups is where you can meet, but you can come meet me at a store too and meet other local artisans too. Love it. Okay. And you were referencing a little bit earlier the TV show that you were on. So talk about that and then the role that the co-op space played for that as well. Yes. So that was literally by chance that happened, like within a span of 48 hours, which I never expected. I was going to be doing another show that weekend, a craft fair that weekend. And I got to know that this TV host was going to be there at the event. And they were going to do a live five-minute segment, how it happens. Like I don't know what you call it, like a Today Show. So like a live five-minute segment showcasing the craft fair and the makers there. So I just happened to follow her on Instagram and she reached out saying like, hey, have you been on the segment before? Would you be interested in doing it? And what did you do? What was your initial response? I actually messaged her back. I'm like, what? Is this serious? I'm freaking out. I couldn't believe what she asked. But then I was like, okay, and then calm down. And then I did speak to you after that. And I'm like, does this happen? And then we went ahead with it. And it was only two minutes. It went off like blink of a second. But it was really nice. I had people reach out to me by email. They took the time to actually email me saying like, hey, I saw you on this segment today morning. And it was so nice. So it's like, okay, people like actually see and they reply and like reach out by email, which was so nice to like 
get those emails in the morning. So it was so good. It was so crazy. I remember it too, because you messaged me and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I said, well, the first thing you do is say yes, and then we'll figure the rest out from there. And then you had concerns because you didn't want to do it in your house, obviously. Exactly. Oh, yes. That was my next point. So I didn't want to do it in my house and I needed a space to display my booth setup so they can do the video. And I ended up doing at the co-op space. What other better space would I get? So I did it in the co-op space so I could promote the co-op too, saying that there are other local vendors and also showcase my products. And it was a really good location. So it was a win-win for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, because you had a professional space. You were already in the co-op, so that made sense. And you guys did it before shop hours. So you had the whole space. We talked a little bit about your points or what you'd say and that none of it ever goes as planned. You just have to go with things, right? But at least you had some things you knew you could talk about. So you weren't just walking in blind. But share with us the experience of that whole video and being interviewed on TV, live TV, mind you. Yeah, so I was so nervous for that. One, because she would be talking to the TV host in the studio, but I wouldn't hear it. So she's just looking at the camera and she has the headphones in her ears and she can listen to the conversation and I can't hear it. So it was weird for me to be standing there because I was on the camera. I didn't know how to react. But it goes so fast, doesn't it? Like an almost in like a whirlwind, it starts and then all of a sudden it's over. Yeah. I remember I was being super nervous standing there looking at the camera, looking at her. And then in like two seconds, everything is over. It just goes so fast. Yeah, that's the nature of TV. Different than maybe some other types of things that you would do. Is your link on your website to the TV spot? I'm yet to update it, but it will be there soon. So if you want to see Sophie with her TV spot, jump over to her website and there'll be a link there where you can see it. You did a great job with that, Sophie. That was wonderful. You're really good, as we were talking about before, at showing up on social media. And face to camera, you do the whole thing. But you also had an opportunity to do a live kind of a demo, how do you quill show, right? Yes. So talk about that. That's been a while now, hasn't it? More on the fun things Sophie's doing to get visibility and sales right after this quick word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Anita, Community Manager for the Ribbon Print Company's Customer Support Program. You'll also find me when I accompany Sue to exhibit at trade shows where we get to meet many of our existing customers in person and introduce new people to the world of ribbon printing. It's always fun seeing the reaction people have during a demonstration when a ribbon is created with their company name, a related image, or their own message that they help to design on the spot. They're always amazed that within seconds, their message will print right before their eyes. Of course, that's rewarding for me too, as I get to enjoy the smiles and the excitement that this is even a possibility. And that's when they realize how easy it would be to do this in their stores too. So can you. You can personalize ribbon for your customers to celebrate birthdays, anniversaries, or whatever you like. But we're also seeing a lot of our customers use the ribbon printer for their branding by adding logo ribbon or labels to products or for flavor or scent designations too. 
Our number one comment we hear when we are out with our customers is that the ribbon printer is a game-changing addition to any business, large or small. I'm proud to be part of the ribbon print company team, and I'm even more thrilled that we are there to ensure our customers that they can use their printer with ease, all while bringing in additional revenue along the way. To learn more, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. It was probably during Christmas because it was the Christmas kit. Yeah, it was right before Christmas. So I initially started with only earrings because I love earrings and I wear them on a daily basis and it was natural for me to start with that. And then all of a sudden last year I had an idea, like I'd been thinking how to reach more people, like make it more interactive because not everybody wears earrings. Even in women, not everybody has their ears pierced. So they're like, oh, I don't have my ears pierced, so I'm not interested in earrings. So I was trying to find a more inclusive way to have everybody be interested in paper quilling. And that's when I thought about doing craft kits. So you don't have to be an expert crafter. Anybody can do it. Kids, adults alike, they can do it. And it has instructions, material, so you don't need anything extra except for a bottle of glue. So that's when I started doing the craft kits. And it so happened there's a friend out of my husband here who was doing this Facebook Live every week since the pandemic. And he would do crafts. He would just look up some random YouTube video and he's like, I'm going to craft. He's not a crafts person. He's a stand-up comedian. So he was like, I'm going to try this. And he would do more in a comedy way. Like, I'm going to try it. And, you know, the interaction, because he's a stand-up comedian, it's going to be like that. So he would do it. And we just happened to reach out asking, like, hey, would you be interested in having me do and you doing the kit? And he's like, absolutely, let's do it. And that's how that opportunity came up. And one thing I loved about that show was he constantly kept saying, I'm not a craft person. I'm no good at crafts, but if I can do this, anybody can do this. So fun. And I think this was your first time on video doing instruction. Is that right? Yes, that was my first time. And the point which he said that if I can do it, anybody can do it is exactly what I want to tell people because I have a lot of people tell me like, no, this is so difficult. I can't do it. I don't have the craft skills. I don't have the patience to do it. But when they actually do it, they're like, oh, I was so wrong about this. Honestly, when you get into the quilling, it's a little bit mesmerizing, kind of like meditative, I'd say a little bit. Yeah, I was doing a lot of the quilling during football games last year. Because <laughs> I'm not yeah. one to do one thing and just sitting even if, well, except for the really exciting moments you had the snowflake ornaments at that point. I was making tons of snowflake ornaments and quilling. It was fun. It was really fun. So that was a little side tangent. But back to that live show, the first thing I want to underscore is you reached out to them. So you didn't just wait for an opportunity to come to you. You used your connections through your husband, knew he was doing this show, and you reached out and said, hey, I'd love to be on your show. Which a lot of people who have shows welcome that because they can't always find all the guests. You've just done some of their work for them. So I'm sure he was really happy and more than willing to do it. He was so much willing that he got the message when he was actually doing a live. And 
he replied during the live itself. Like he read the message in the live and he's like, yes, let's do it. Oh, cool. Very fun. I didn't know that. (laughs) What did you do to prepare for that? So I went and gave him the kit. So he has all the supplies. And then I basically went through what I'm going to say because it was my first time doing it. So I had to have a run through of how I'm going to do the instructions and like what goes first, what do I tell and how do we progress towards it? So I did a mental preview of that by myself. But even though I did it, it just went in a different way. But at least you have a plan, like with the TV spot. You at least have something to build off of. You're not going in with just a blank slate. You kind of know what you want to do, and then you roll from there. Because as I remember, given that he's a comedian, he also likes to add a little bit of levity to the whole experience. And so he was taking longer than he probably needed to take, right? And so at some point, he was just going to finish it and come back and show everybody. Because he was goofing around. That's how he is. That's how they're all, the, the whole community is. That's the point. So did you see any sales of the DIY kits after that show? I did see, but not as much, but I did. Well, and those videos, is it YouTube that he was on? Or just live, Facebook Live? That's a YouTube video. Oh, and I don't think I linked that one too. I should probably do that. You could. And point being is that YouTube video then stays up forever, so you never know what could happen in the future. A lot of this will build on itself, all these different appearances. Okay, so that was really fun and interesting and exciting and nerve-wracking because it was new, right? (laughs) And then the other one I wanted to really share with everybody here is very recently you had another opportunity and you were kind of going back and forth as to whether this would be worth your time. And then you came up with an idea to absolutely make it worth your time. And it continued to add to the value of your brand. So let's talk about that one. And, you know, this is with the vineyard and what you did there. So that event, like how I said, I have my other vendor friends who go to different events. I saw most of them going to this one particular event, which I was not aware of. So I reached out to a few of them asking like, hey, how did you get into this event? They're like, it was just through Instagram DMs. And they're like, just reach out to her and she should be able to get you in or find something for you there. So I reached out to the concerned person and she told me she's full on jewelry vendors and she won't be able to include jewelry vendors. So I was like, okay, never mind. I was like, next time. But then she got back saying like, hey, I saw your website and all of that. Would you be interested in doing like a kid's booth, like a make and take activity? If that's the case, I will put you in. I'm like, okay, that's a different thing. But I wasn't sure what I was going to do because I haven't done a kid's workshop because a kid's workshop is different from adults. It's like totally different because kids are kids and it's difficult to keep their attention span and all of that. So I was not exactly happy with that idea when she first told me. If I have to be honest, I wasn't happy with it. But that was smart, Sophie, because you were balancing is this the right thing for me to be doing for my business, right? For the time investment, is it staying on course of my plan? And is it worth the investment of time and money, right? That's what you were thinking about at the time. Exactly, yes. So I wasn't really sure, but then we've had conversations and then I had conversations with the other vendors asking about how's the turnout, how does it even happen? Some of them were already there in her previous show. So all of it put together, I ended up saying yes. And I'm glad I did that 
and as you know my quote everything happens for a reason this happened for a reason so is there something I don't know that you're going to share with me here I'm kind of feeling like there's something that you're going to say <laughs> maybe I don't know I don't know if you know this or not so I did the book and that was just two days after that tv segment too so that also got people coming in to the event and that was the event the tv host was also coming to so you know there was like all that attraction happening at the same time and what happened was though i said it's a kids workshop i had more adults who were willing to be there and do because the kids it was a hot day and they just didn't have the patience to sit down and do anything so i had more adults there who were willing to try it out so there was one person who came in and she's like i can't do like crafts i don't have the patience and i can't do this and etc etc so i was like why don't you just give it a try like do two pieces if you don't like it you don't have to do it so she just did two pieces and she's like oh it's it's not so hard i can do this and she starts doing it and she completed the craft project and she's like oh wow i actually finished this and she was so impressed by it and then there was another person who exactly came in with the same conversation she's like i don't have the patience i can't do etc etc and before i could say anything back to her this other customer she's like oh no i just was talking to her like half an hour ago saying that i can't do it but then see i did it so you can also do and she had her come in and she made her also do i love that well and also you actually thought through this project though and how much time you know you took into account that it was a show that there were going to be people who were wanting to go around different activities that they were doing etc so you also adjusted what the make and take would be so it was in a reasonable time frame that they could accomplish it so you kind of set them up for success right from the start so yeah i also made some of the pieces before so that they can finish the project because when you have a completed project it gives you a different level of happiness rather than a half big project half finished So I did some of the parts beforehand so they can finish it faster but they also got the experience of trying it out there like how to do the quilling live at the show. Brilliant. And then you had the DIY packs if someone wanted to buy them. Yes, that was my other thing. So once they were like, "Oh, I can do this." They were more willing to buy the kit. They're like, "Okay, I can do this. Now I know what it is." So that's when I started understanding that even though I have the kit there people don't understand what it does okay so it's like it's there how much ever I want I can talk about it but they don't understand how it actually works until they actually do it with their own hands so this workshop and doing a little demo and then selling the craft kit has got me into I should start doing demos at my regular pop-ups and you can let the customer do a free trial so they know how it works like a few pieces and then they will be more willing to buy the craft kits because once you experience it you're going to buy it but until then you just don't know what it is so you're on the fence like do I do I not right so this part I haven't told you so that's what I'm planning to do like in my future craft fairs I have coming up in the following weeks plan to do a demo like i sit there and do some quilling so when people walk in they can also do some quilling and experience how it is then and there and then buy the product oh that's beautiful perfect i was wondering if you were going to integrate that in and i'd love to hear how that works too with your booth what are you thinking of doing like having a table kind of up front or off to the side where you would be doing that 
It depends on the space. So the ones which I immediately have coming up, it's like more limited space. So I can only fit one table in. So I'm just going to do like half and half, half my products. And then like the other end, I'm going to sit down and do. And people can be on the other side and try out a few pieces, stuff like that. I see. So you're still behind the table. So that if you were actually quilling and helping someone, you could still interact with people who were looking at buying. It's a smaller space, so it could work. So it's still a trial, so it's, it's just going to improve as it goes, as I learn more. So that's a start. The thing that I really loved about that make and take that was so fun was, again, you were taking pictures of people with their completed projects, and you had a model of what the finished product could look like, but everyone kind of added their own little spin. So every single one of them was just a little bit different. Exactly. because. They're like, I like what you did, but then it this has to be me, so I'm going to put it different. And you know those first few pieces they tried out? They added those also into those finished pieces. So they're like, I made this, so I want to add that one too. So they added it and made it totally different. Yeah, and then you took pictures and posted all of that. I don't know if those were only in your stories or if some of those are in the feed now too where people can come back and look. But it was really interesting to watch the different takes and creative spins that people had on their projects. So I enjoyed doing that. And I was like looking back through the course of the day to see what other people were doing specifically. You know, it was very fun. So I kind of felt like I was included in the experience, even though I wasn't there. Yes, that's the idea of doing the live pictures from the event to make you feel that you're there. Right. No, that was amazing. What is your thinking now? And I don't know this, so this is really a question. (laughs) What is your thinking now in terms of incorporating additional training into what you offer online? So I had a conversation with one customer in one of the last craft fairs, which I did. So it was a very eye-opening conversation for me. So my kit currently has just instructions for how to do the basic shapes. That's it. And her question was, what do I do after that? Okay, basic shapes. And then what does that make? Do I make the earrings? Like, what do I make? I don't know. So I didn't have an answer for that. So and I improvised and I gave her suggestions and I referred her back to my snowflake tutorial and all of that. But then that got me thinking into saying, like, maybe I should add something more to the kit so they can do a project there. Maybe a greeting card with some flowers on it. Or, I don't know, that's the first thing which came to my mind, but some other project included in it. So improve the craft kit so they have something to complete immediately. Because currently it's open-ended and they could make anything. When you can make anything, you end up doing nothing. So I want to make something more like a a smaller project in that which you can complete so you have something to go from well your snowflake kits you do complete it because you have a snowflake ornament right yes so those are specific kits but this one was the basic kit which had like all the colors and all the tools so it's like very open-ended there and i like your idea of the card a greeting card because that's so easy and you're not including anything else other than probably the paper for the card And a little bit of instructions, like, well, the instructions are actually there. I just have to give them patterns to say, like, you could do a flower like this. You could do a leaf like that. So it's just that. And I also want to add video. So, like, 
a basic video, like how do you do the shape? I have the written instructions and I do have the basic shapes covered in the Snowflake kit, but I want to do like an exclusive basics video, which they can look up to see how it goes and, you know, make the flowers again in it to say this is how you make the flowers. Because I feel like video has more reach than actual words, like in a document. It's just easier to watch a video and follow through. Well, and people learn different ways, right? And again, if you put the video up on your own YouTube channel, that will support people who have already purchased the kit. But I think it will also be of interest to people who are just watching who then would go buy the kit. So it works both ways. I could even see like a little holiday card kit. Yeah, like a holiday card or even those holiday tags like on the presents you put. Those are even smaller projects that you can finish them much quicker. So that's also an idea. Like, need not be a card or a snowflake, which takes more time. It could be a tiny gift tag. Ooh, I love that idea. Like, you could do kits of, like, five tags. I know. You can make so many gift tags, right? So it's just give them a smaller project, and they finish it, and they feel happy, and they feel that they can do it, and then go on to the next one. Okay, I'm going to be watching for that. I'm going to use it this season (laughs) already. All right, wonderful. Anything else that I need to know that you want to share? You're always full of surprises, Sophie. So another thing, which I'm still debating about it, but I'm just going to put it out there. You know how like a lot of influencers are there right now and they like show other business products and, you know, it's more real than having like a celebrity advertise and things like that. So I want to reach out to some influencers so they can try out my earrings because I feel like that's a different way to reach more people when people see other people wear earrings, how it looks, and especially from influencers who they've been following for a while, it's more likely that they are more interested and it gives more visibility, right? I think it's a great idea, Sophie, because your product is so unique and it photographs really well too because your earrings are really colorful and they're bigger. So I think that's an excellent idea. Have you already started a target list of influencers that you'd like to connect with? I do have some in mind, but I haven't like actually got to it. I did reach out to one influencer and she was so nice to like actually walk me through how it works because I told her like, hey, I've been following you for a while and I want to try this out, but I don't know how it works. Please help me. And she was so good to help me out. But I need to take it a little bit more further and reach out to more people. Wonderful. Well, that sounds great. And the first thing is identifying who you feel is a right fit for you. You know, the people who are following them are the people who would most likely be purchasing from you. Amazing. Well, no surprise there that you had something new to say. And you have a lot of things going on too, right? So, you know, have some grace with yourself. You know, you're saying I haven't done that yet. Well, there's a time for everything. You are an action taker. You're just not sitting still doing nothing. That is for sure. All in time. I can't wait for the update of what's happening there. (laughs) You will always be kept posted on this, Sue. Yeah, I'll wait for the call. Sue, guess what? (laughs) Or in our VIP calls, you'll show up one day with some announcement. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, your story is amazing, Sophie. You are like a model of how to take a product that first identify an opportunity, take a product, start with it initially analyze, because I remember in the first shows, you were seeing some things you needed to tweak with your product based on what people were coming to the booth. So you really have been watching your customer 
interacting with people at shows like you're talking about with your vendors and opportunities just show up for you. It's beautiful. I feel very honored to be watching you as you develop your business. It's just fabulous. Love it so much. As we close out here, what would you say to someone who's just starting out? So like you two years ago, who's thinking about doing this, what would you say to someone like that about what they should do? Any advice that you have? So when you're starting out, let people know that you're doing it. Like you're actually having a business and you sell something because that's something which I didn't do much. And because of which not many people knew about it and I was not seeing any interactions and I felt like my business was going nowhere. But when you start telling people, they tell more people and the more you tell people, it keeps spreading and it's basically networking, but you start with your family and friends and then you develop it. And only when you put a word out there that you're here, people are going to know you're there. Otherwise, it's just you in your room with your things. That's it. But it's a little scary to do that in the beginning. It is scary to do that, but I found that unless you go out and tell you're there, nobody's going to know. Yeah, it's the only way, right? You have to have customers to buy to start a business. And then you learn from there. I mean, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah, always tell that you're there, like you do this business. Absolutely. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming back on the show, opening up the curtains of what's going on with the business. And I am so excited. I know there's going to be more. Thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me again. You're welcome. The journey continues. I know, and I love it. To make sure you caught all five of these ways to attract sales, I'll summarize them again for you here. Exhibiting at pop-up events. Participating in artisan co-ops. Being in the news. For Sophie, it was TV and in print. Running a quilling tutorial as a guest on someone else's Facebook Live and YouTube show. And adding make-and-take activities to her in-person events. As you heard, she's not stopping there, given she's already set her sights on pursuing influencer collaborations as well. Do you notice that all of these are activities that are around her product? But they're not just, here's my product, here's the price, buy it. All of these are approaches to attracting customers that add the element of fun. Next week, we're going back to the books and talking Google Analytics. I'm looking forward to introducing you to someone who's impressed me with his knowledge on this topic for several years now. In fact, I've taken some of his classes, so I know you'll learn a lot of valuable information to get your online efforts up to speed. Thanks for spending time with me today. And now, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next time on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? 
If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.